Hi, this is Christopher at Radiant Fire Radio, and I have a very special guest, Peter Serafine Jr., and I'm excited to talk with him because I know that these are topics that you need to understand as a citizen of this country. Thanks for coming, Mr. Serafine. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's <laughs> awesome. Let's get going. I'm, I'm excited about the opportunities, but as we look at things, as I look at things on the political platform in the field, I see uh, a lot of things changing for the worse. I'm not yeah. sure where you're at. Um, in I've taken kind of like a hard line. I am I am registered Democrat. I was at one point in time a Republican. I worked as a Republican in the party here in Delaware um, as a chair for the 32nd district. So I have probably about five or six years experience working within the platform and the party voted all, you know, voted since voting age 18. And I always believe that, you know, the Republicans were trying to do things that were, were good for the country to bring things forward. But with the, with the emergence of president Trump, you know, I started to see all the backbiting and the, the undercutting that they were doing to him. And it just didn't make any sense because you're supposed to be, you know, for the people, you're supposed to be helping everyone grow. And why this hatred for president Trump? And I don't even know where you stand on those, those type issues, but. I, know, I didn't understand that the hatred of Trump either um, a little here. I've always been an independent voter. And I say always, but that that ended about a year ago. I registered to the Constitution Party. Oh, okay. So I am a registered constitutionalist. And I did not vote for Trump the first time around because, quite frankly, he scared me. Really? I did not vote for Hillary because she scared me even more. <laughs> <laughs> I voted I voted third party. I, I voted for Gary Johnson because my thought was no stoner has ever started a war anywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make um, war. However, I, I did write an opinion piece, a, a blog post, so to speak, uh, that President Trump earned my vote for wow. his second term. Yeah. Um, he earned it by doing things that were, well, basically by by at least attempting to keep his campaign promises. Yeah, I, I, I found a lot of things that he did was completely common sense oriented. I mean, when he first got into office to get rid of the EPA and just like from from the doors to start firing and getting rid of and then also getting rid of the regulations that they were using against us, right. um, against our companies. I mean... I've been saying for years, you know, how come we're not having any new nuclear plants? You know, we, we have this cry that we want clean energy and we want, uh, you know, to get off of fossil fuels. Here we have these nuclear power plants that we're not creating any more of, but we have shortages on energy. It just, just doesn't make any sense. And then when you find you... out about the EPA regulations, it's like, oh, we're doing it to our own selves. I was going to say, don't you realize that, uh, nuclear energy is just evil no particular reason just it just is because the pure 100 percent steam that comes out of the tower is i, I don't know 
but I'm yeah. So I'm a registered constitutionalist, and I'm trying really, really hard to stop calling myself a conservative, and start calling myself a constitutionalist. Yeah, I, I uh, see that being uh, co-opted too, because yeah. you're absolutely right. <laughs> well, to give you an idea, if you if you're looking at the screen, uh, here's a four-page version of the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a pocket-sized version of the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> and then over there on the wall is a little one-page version of the Constitution. <laughs> so here, just in my studio, I'm, I have three copies that I, wow. that I can see what, where I'm sitting. So the Constitution <laughs> is very important to me. I have a little baby one, too. <laughs> well, I give out uh, pocket constitutions constantly. I, um, I've given out probably about 1,500 in the last couple of months. Um, I have hundreds, Man. hundreds more sitting in my living room. I do not give out the fancy leather-bound versions like this. Yeah. Um, I, I buy them myself and I hand them out. And, and I put a sticker for my, you know, my website on the back and I hand them out. That's all right. That's all right. So... So simple, even a politician can understand. How did you come about that title? It actually started out as um, so simple, a politician can understand. And somebody suggested that I add the even in there. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, but the idea for the book itself uh, struck me during an interview with an entrepreneur and author named Cliff Oxford. And okay. we were talking back and forth. Um, he wrote a book that had to do with the, the redneck reverie and the Trump phenomena. Wow. And we were talking back and forth. And at one point I said, our government doesn't do simple anymore. And just saying those words out loud made me go, that's my next book. Because yeah. this is my, this is my second book. My first oh, book okay. is, is progress. Really? Um, <laughs> and then this this one, the uh, so simple, even a politician can understand simple ideas for seemingly complex political issues. Yeah, it's a collection of ideas that I've had while hosting my show, Liberty Lighthouse. Nice, very nice. You know, the title strikes me and it struck me, you know, when I when your pod match came up and I was like, wow, this is something that everybody needs to see because. The average citizen is tired of politics. They're tired of the Republicans. They're tired of the Democrats. They just want things to be normal, so to speak. You know, they don't want to have all the infighting that's going on. I don't think the majority of people like the, the Trump uh, attacks that have been against him. I don't think they like the attacks that have been against uh, Obama. You know, they just want to be able to live their lives as simply as possible. But, you know, in my short time here on this earth the politicians really seem to be the ones who get everything for free they have their own security teams um they're going to have health care for the rest of their lives and they're not paying for gas you know when when obama had our gas at like four or five dollars a gallon on this side of the world uh, of the united states and i'm sure it was higher on the west coast and people just kind of like didn't do anything about it like what's wrong with you that the answer is simple start drilling start, yeah. start drilling for oil there's there's oil in delaware but we can't touch it right well 
you're absolutely right that everybody is tired of the bickering and the infighting and the you know this side versus that side garbage mm -hmm. but it's the this side versus that side division that is keeping the politicians in power so they don't want to end it yes it's us versus them and, yes. and the moment that we the people unite and realize that it's us versus them the political class is when we'll take our country back yes and we have abdicated our authority and given it to them Absolutely. let's just let maxine waters take care of everything let's just let uh nancy pelosi take care of everything you know the burning question on my mind is what's wrong with these people in those districts <laughs> can't you see what she's doing can't you see what maxine waters is doing why do y'all keep voting her back in that's the question and i can tell you why it happens and it happens it's all about money uh once a member of congress arrives in congress their first goal that they're given by congressional leadership is their fundraising goal for the next year Unreal. so so they have once they get elected they have a huge bankroll that a newcomer doesn't have that's how they keep getting elected unreal um they've long since forgotten about we the people politics does not have to be nearly as complicated as it as they have allowed it to become or as we have allowed it to become and that's why i wrote this little book i gave you know 16 or 20 i forget exactly how many ideas are in there but i gave all these ideas that have come to me over the last two years that are really really simple ideas and you don't have to agree with all of them you no. don't even you don't even have to agree with any of them but you have to acknowledge that there are simple ideas that would go a long way absolutely to solving some of our biggest issues absolutely you talk in chapter seven about costly bureaucracy and you said state county and local governments need to become self-sufficient absolutely I love that they should collect their own taxes and fund their own projects reduce the federal income tax by the amount doled back to state and local governments then allow those jurisdictions to fund their own governments. Beautiful. If we, if we did that, that would stop so much corruption on the federal level. Absolutely. We would, we would stop people wanting to go to Washington, D.C. All right, well, here's something that's not in the book, but this is my personal opinion. Uh, 1913 was the worst year for, for the American Republic ever. And the 1913 was the worst year for the American Republic. It, it's was the uh, the start of the downfall of our republic for three things that happened in 1913 the 16th amendment which gave the federal government the right to tax us as individuals mm. prior to the 16th amendment states paid tax based on the population of the state what? But, it, but it was not directly to individual people prior to the 16th amendment the federal government could not levy tax on individual citizens yeah well see i didn't even know that <laughs> then the 17th amendment changed how senators were elected prior to the 17th amendment in 1913 the state house and representative your state um general assembly your your state legislature appointed your senators to Washington, D.C. Hmm. 
after the 17th Amendment, which was hailed as a, a you know, a huge expansion of democracy, and a beautiful thing. Well, now senators are basically nothing more than glorified uh, representatives yep. because they're, they're elected by the populace. And the state abdicated all power in the federal government because they no longer appoint the people to the Senate. And that's not how it was intended to be. It was not how it was intended to be. There, If you think about the way it is done, there you have the president who is elected through an electoral college yep. for, for four years. You have the House of Representatives. Those are supposed to represent we the people. They're elected by popular vote every two years. Prior to the 17th Amendment, the senators served for six years and were appointed by the state. So it was three different terms of office yeah. um, elected three different ways, all designed, all designed on purpose, all part of the original balance of power. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah. And that explains why they're there forever and they never leave. Right. That's and why then, they never leave. And the, the third thing that was why December there, uh, 1913 was such a terrible year was the creation of the Federal Reserve. And I don't think I have to explain why that was a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and, and how many Americans know that that has nothing to do with the United States whatsoever? I, <laughs> I didn't know that until I started studying about it. And I was like, oh, the Federal Reserve is for us. It's for the United States. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with us whatsoever. So but the average American citizen does not know that. And they're like, rah, 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 the Federal Reserve. I'm like, no, no, you're, you're missing out on the, on the bigger picture. They're part of the world banking system, which is tied to destroying the United States. <laughs> well, uh, Sorry. Com completely <laughs> off the topic of the, oh, wait, let's get back to what you were talking about. You were talking about uh, municipalities becoming uh, independent of federal funds. Mm -hmm. Why this happened? It goes back to the 16th Amendment. So now that the federal government had the ability to tax us individually, well, now the federal government's got a whole bunch of money. Yep. And now they've used that money to then give back down to states and local localities. And of course, any money from the federal government comes with strings. Absolutely. And is often used as blackmail. Absolutely. I think just I'm going to use two examples, two examples I use pretty regularly. One of them is President Barack Obama said that he would hold back federal education monies from states that didn't open up the, you know, the transgendered bathroom thing. Now, a lot of people uh, probably wisely guessed that I was not a big fan of President Barack Obama. <laughs> so I'm going to the other example I'm going to use. I didn't vote for him. Neither. The neither time. The other example I'm going to use is President Ronald Reagan. I was a big fan of President Ronald Reagan, mm -hmm. but Ronald Reagan ref uh, uh, threatened to withhold federal highway monies from any state who did not raise the legal drinking age to 21. So Power he, and control. Right. It was all about blackmail. It was, it was blackmailing the states into doing what the federal government wants, and that is not what our country was designed for. No. And nobody stood against it because we don't have senators that are appointed by the states because our states don't have any power in washington dc anymore because now if a state steps out of line the federal government can just cut their funding and they don't want their funding cut at all right at all they, we have we have undergone in the last hundred and what is it 1913 is 2020 108 years 
we have watched the entire power of our country flip from states to federal. And this explains in another chapter that you wrote about our broken budget. <laughs> we have so much money that's being poured into our government, our federal government. Who has an accounting of that? Nobody. And and who has the ability to stop it? We're, we're supposed to be able to say we want a fair, balanced budget. You know, government don't spend more than what you have. But, you know, we hear about $500 toilet seats and $200 adjustable wrenches that no one stops and says, hey, you, you don't need to do this. But like you, like you just said, you know, we've given up our power. The states have given up their power to say no to what's going on. You talk about something that I've heard Rush Limbaugh talk about, and it's called a zero-sum budget. Right. It's a very simple concept. Every agency, office, and department starts out with zero dollars in their budget. The office has to justify every dollar that they will be awarded in the next year's budget instead of just automatically getting last year's amount plus some percent increase. The office has to explain how much money it needs and how much it will spend that money using zero sum budget process will help fix the government. I never, <laughs> it bothers me that we have so much waste from, from our money. And, it, and the waste is because there's so much of it and there's not this zero sum budget. Oh, how, did you, how did you get this concept? Well, the zero sum, I, I, I was a, a restaurant manager and uh, you know, food and beverage professional for a very long time. And depending on which company you work for, some of, some of them use that process. It's a legitimate, honest to goodness business tool that's used in different situations. Um, however, our government doesn't act like a business at all. And that's yeah. part of the problem. Uh, a zero sum budget would at least bring light to where the money is going. Mm. Um, and, you know, force departments to justify why they're getting whatever it is that they're getting and i mean we've got the pig book already uh, which is an organization that puts out the big book of, of wasteful spending every year um but they can't even find it all because the there's just the our government's too big i mean the federal government employs two million people that's the largest employer in our country it's phenomenal. that alone is a problem yeah yeah, I, I don't think the founding fathers wanted us, our federal government, to be this huge, this big at, at all. No, and that's that's why the, the federal constitution spells out 30 to 36, depending on who's counting, 30 to 36 enumerated powers granted to the federal government. And then amendment number 10 says that anything not specifically spelled out in the constitution belongs to the states and the states. people. So how is it that we have 440 federal departments and agencies to manage 36 powers that are in the Constitution? Damn. <laughs> that makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I get angry regularly. So, so my show, Liberty Lighthouse, um, which is actually on here in like two hours, uh, I, I, I pre-record my show. I recorded it last night. And 
I got to a point in the in the second segment toward the end where I got to a topic that I was I was so angry and so worked up about I could not move on to my next topic. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it bothered me so much I actually might make that one thing my entire show next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know I, I shouldn't say I know. I feel like more Americans are passionate about these types of things but we're not getting play in the press i think our press has been co-opted in you know where our, our voice has been taken away which i love the fact that now you can create a podcast i can create a podcast and no one can control that until they take until somebody decides to kick you off their platform off their platform <laughs> like they did president trump for four months right what do you think about that? Four months of silence or of silencing the president of the United States. Well, this is a big part of what I'm what I'm going to talk about next week within free speech. Uh, and a private company has the right to do whatever they want. And if they don't want to hear you talk, they can kick you off. I agree. However, <laughs> there's a big however with this. Uh -huh. A private company can also be sued for their actions. Oh. If, our social media companies have a have a safety net. They have the Section 230 protections that that basically when social media came around, they said, look, we're not actually going to post stuff. We're just going to curate information that other people post. So we can't be held liable for what people say. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So if if that is how they would behave, that the only thing that they should be removing or censoring off of their platforms would be illegal speech. Like I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, how do we, how are we here where we're at today where they're permitted to do this? Because and no one says any, not, not that no one's saying anything about it, but your, your state senators, your state representatives in Congress are fully supportive of silencing the president that they don't like right and that's part of the problem is that is that again that political divide between us people are okay with the other side getting censored uh jen saki and president biden in the in the past week have both said that they're telling facebook what what uh, what topics to censor i.e oh the vaccines cause infertility yeah they don't they don't want that out there okay the moment that a government begins to even suggest what should or should not be removed from a platform they they are violating the the first amendment yeah the moment that the company was given that protection the section 230 protections where they can no longer be held liable for what they do as far as I'm concerned, is a violation of the First Amendment. Yeah. And people need to really, really wake up that it is the First Amendment that makes us free people. And that Ben Franklin, I'm going to paraphrase because I'm not really good at actual quotes. Ben Franklin said, whoever wants to subdue the liberty of a nation must first subdue the freeness of speech. That's wow. what they're doing. You, if you look throughout history at all the tyrannical governments, the, the freedom of speech is almost always the first thing to go. 
So we need, we, and I mean, I don't care left, right, center, constitutionalist, libertarian, Democrat, Republican, Martian, I don't care. Yeah. You have to protect the right of free speech and you have to protect the speech of those that you don't like the most. Absolutely. The KKK Absolutely. is a disgusting, viable, vile, despicable group of human beings. But they if they have want a right to, put to on, speak. That's right. If they want to put on their hoods and march down the street, damn it, you protect the right to do that. Yep. Because as soon as you don't do that for them, when your speech is, is, is impeded, who's coming to help you? Right. Who's you coming to stop that? Right. You don't stand up for speech that you consider to be vile. Who's to say that your speech isn't going to be considered vile tomorrow? So I was going to ask you about this because you put this in your chapter on fake news. You said journalists, reporters, and news anchors have the same constitutionally protected right of free speech that the rest of us have. Free True. speech protects your right to manipulate and lie if that is what you choose to do. It's true. <laughs> Misinformation, disinformation, and hate speech are all unalienable rights. The right to free speech is integral to the freedom of the United States. That creates a challenge where consuming news is concerned. And this this set funny with me until you just explained what you said, but about, you know, we still have to protect their right to say what they're saying, even though it, it's wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> feel it's, I shouldn't say it's wrong. We feel that it's wrong. <clears throat> But at the same time, I, I think, you know, when, when the founding fathers was there, they had a moral standard and they felt like, I'm, and this is just me, they felt like the press was there to, to be the, the watchdog, to be the policeman. When, when things got corrupted, I felt like their job was to expose the corruption that was there. Whether they agreed with it or disagreed with it or, or not was two different things but their, uh, their objectiveness of the press is gone. And, and I, I understand what you're saying here in, in, this, uh, in your fake news chapter, but shouldn't we have objective people? We should have, we, we should have. However, we can't, we can't you know, put them in jail yeah. because they're not, they're not, uh, all right. let's back up for a second. Your right of free speech does not mean that your speech has no consequences. Oh, oh, oh. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you have an absolute right to free speech. You waive that right sometimes. For example, if you go to work, you waive your right of free speech and yep. you will say what your boss tells you to say. Yep. So all, also, of the, all of the football players should not be kneeling. Absolutely right. Because they were wearing they were wearing the uniform of an employee, yep. and I I don't blame the football players at all. They were they were a bunch of kids trying to see what they could get away with. I blame the coaches and the owners. Absolutely. And I and I I I don't really pay attention to sports, but I'm going to say you know kudos to to the Dallas Cowboy owner who said you kneel on my team, you'll be finding a new team. Yep. That was the right way to do it, and it should have been done from the beginning. Do you have the right to walk into your boss's office at work tomorrow and say, F you? Nope. Of course you do. You have the right to do it. <laughs> and then he has the right to fire you for doing it. <laughs> News anchors have the right to sit up there and lie. But they should be fired for doing it. That's the truth. And the problem that we've, what, what we have in, in the world of news is the people that own the media companies are the ones pushing the lies. Yes. So the people that, that have the ability to fire them. So us, our option, our, you know, 
alternative is to you know protest and you know send letters and tell them that this guy's lies and here's proof of his lies and i won't be watching your show anymore that's right that's the where right, we have the power right the right way to to uh object or or stand up to fake news or or lies is with real news it using jen Psaki and joe biden again going back to their uh, this misinformation about about the vaccine causing birth defects or was it no uh, infertility? Okay, you say it doesn't cause infertility. Don't take down people's posts. No. Prove that those people are idiots. Yeah. Put up the facts and the data that prove that they're wrong. So show us the science. Exactly. Show us the science that you, that you say is there. <laughs> I think it's very interesting that they're all that they're choosing to use the word misinformation mm -hmm. rather than lie. Because if you look them up, if you look up the definition of the word misinformation and the definition of the word lie, they're almost identical. So why aren't they being used interchangeably by the administration or the news? There's a reason that they've chosen strategically that yeah. that word misinformation. It sounds and, nicer yeah it gets rid of the uh the evil intent of the lie <laughs> but but that actually the the uh felonious intent is part of the definition of the word so maybe that's why uh but anyway science changes i i don't know how old you are but i'm old enough to remember when there is tv shows on morning news or in the morning kids shows where the, where there was an ad about the incredible edible egg where they were trying to tell you that the egg was like you know the best possible snack yep and then i remember when eggs were evil because they had too much cholesterol Butter. and then i remember when no egg whites are okay yep. it's the egg yolks you can't have <laughs> and now we're back to eggs are a good source of protein absolutely so oh science changes. It does. So how are you at the White House, non-scientists, I might add, uh, to, to pick and choose which side is going to be right 10 years from now? <laughs> Don't have a clue. <laughs> Do not have a clue at all. <laughs> you have a, a, a statement in your gender and sex chapter. And I, I think this is very strong. The readiness of the military cannot be weakened in the name of equity and inclusion. I wish more people would say this. If a woman wishes to become a Navy SEAL, for example, she should be held to the same standards as the men. Anything less is dangerous for the team and for national security. National defense is no place for socially engineered studies of equity. I agree 100%. 100%. There's there's I, no reason for this. I two years ago in my first book I said the the United States military has is not and has never been an equal opportunity employer. Nope. You can be denied service because you're too fat, too skinny, yep. too tall, too short, flat yep. feet. There, there's a huge list of reasons that you can't serve. We are weakening our military. Yeah. We're weakening the people who get in there and want to serve. And it's it's not right for us to do. Right. This we're is making what I ourselves. Go ahead. I was gonna say this is what I don't get. Now we're letting people who who claim to be transgendered in, but you won't let a guy in with flat feet. Yeah. Like one <laughs> is a is is in is in the diagnostic diagnostic manual as a foot condition. The other one's in there as a mental problem. Mm -hmm. 
So, so now and I'm not know. saying that transgenderism doesn't exist. I'm saying that it has become popular. Yep. And it, I don't care. You can wear a dress if you want to. I, I really don't care. No, but no. you don't, you don't belong as a Navy SEAL unless you can do the job of a Navy SEAL. That's Absolutely. that's all there is to it. And, and that's all I'm saying too. I don't want you there if you can't, if you can't hold your weight. If you can't hold your weight, you can't carry the gun. You know. You can't drag somebody out who needs to be drugged out. Come on. Well, that's exactly. I was in the Navy during the first Gulf War. And honestly, I wouldn't care if the person next to me was a homosexual anteater wearing a purple dress, as long as they did their job yep. and had my back. Yep. It's all that matters. That's all. But the whole point of the military, the whole point of basic training is to rob you of your individuality. You are stripped down to the basic core of a man and yep. then rebuilt as a man in the in the image of the military. That's right. So how does that and equity fit together? It, it doesn't. It doesn't belong. It doesn't belong at all. If you wanted to keep your identity, don't get into the military. Well, anybody, I mean, I, every time I hear the word equity spoken by any government, anybody, I immediately think communism. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they, they're, they've been kind of slick about it. They've, they've been substituting the word equity instead of equality. And they are two very, very different things. Yes, and is. equality is guaranteed by the Constitution. Equity, equity. ain't in there. No. Not equity ain't in there at all. And words mean things. And, yes. and that is very, very specific. Very specific. <clears throat> Everything you said about immigration is on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about welfare. Welfare okay. should be temporary. Any and all government subsidies should be temporary with focus goal of making the individual self-sufficient again right, now you skip yes I, I, I appreciate the applause but you skipped a very important line you you skip the distinction between disability and welfare disability if you are a disabled person then then yes we can take care of you if you yeah. are honestly disabled that is not welfare to me to me yeah. welfare is money given to able-bodied people good point very good. So, point. so I, I find it very important to make those distinctions. But other than that, absolutely. If everything that we give in the form of welfare should taper away along, along the lines of, of a focus to get you back to work, whether that's education or training or, or, you know, how to make a resume or, you know, how to tie a necktie for an interview, whatever, yeah. to get you back to work. And the whole time that you're learning, your welfare needs to shrink. And by welfare, I mean the, the sum total of everything that you get, whether it's housing or food stamps, food stamps or all of it. It needs to taper away so that eventually you go, man, I can't live this on an, I can't live on this anymore. I need to get a job. There are people who are getting thousands and thousands of dollars a month and they can't even use all of the food stamps. Right. And they're still getting it. Mm-hmm. Our government is still giving it to them and they're still taking it. Yeah. It's, it's mind blowing. We are setting ourselves up for failure on so many different levels when it comes to, to welfare. 
I got a stimulus check. I didn't want the stimulus check. Um, but everybody's taking the stimulus check and we're putting ourselves in debt. We're putting our nation in debt because of being simulated. And so much is going on with these, with these stimulus checks that are going on uh, right now that people don't want to work. Right. They don't want to work. Hey, I'm good. I got, I get my, I got a stimulus check. I'm getting welfare. They're paying me to sit home. And now they're getting, uh, was it $300 a month per a kid month. in, in uh, child tax credit yeah. advances or whatever. Who's Look, I got stimulus. I got stimulus checks too. Yeah. I bought guns and ammo. <laughs> it's like, all right, government, you're going to keep giving me money I didn't ask for? I'm going to buy right. something you don't like. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great idea. <laughs> It was fun too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not sustainable. The, the no. things that we're doing to our country, and you know, if you look at different societies, the Roman society, they died because there was more people being uh, supported by the government than there were that were actually working, and it broke the system. And I don't understand why we can't see this that we're walking in the same paths and the same footsteps. As these as these people. Well, so not only the welfare state. There's a lot of other parallels to the Roman Empire and the American society as well. Uh, there was many of the um, end of the you know the downfall of the Roman Empire books will will say that you know you couldn't tell the men from the women by the end of the the Absol Roman Empire. Absolutely. Uh, there was there was <laughs> the all corruption the people with the senators. Right. You had you had the mass immigration into Rome. Because Rome gave away bread, started out as giving away grain, just mm. you know, corn and wheat. Um, so yeah, why not move to the place where they give away stuff for free? <laughs> you know, yeah, there's, there's a, there are a lot of parallels and history repeats itself. And we've stopped being uh, students of history and we have become authors of history. Yeah. And, and and we're going back and rewriting it. And that, yeah. I mean, that's George Orwell. That's 1984. All and, over again. Yeah. Um, um, your book is very good. And I, I hope that uh, more people buy it. And I hope that you, that you sell more. Um, because the truths are simple. And they're things that everybody can understand. And I think if more of the citizens would would connect with these truths and not just sit back and do nothing, you know, we would have a better country, we would have a better nation. And, and I want our, our citizens to wake up. I, I do, I want them to wake up so much because we're if we don't, we're losing our country. I, I really feel this in, in my soul, the, to the core part of my soul. And, it astounds me the people that I talk to, you know, day in and day out. And they're like, oh, the government's doing so well and they're helping us so much. And I'm like, it's not what it's supposed to be. No, the government's just supposed to get out of the way and keep foreign invaders out. That's about it. That's all. That's that's all. <laughs> um, so the book, So Simple, Even a Politician Can Understand, uh, Simple Ideas for Seemingly Complex Political Issues. I specifically said ideas, not solutions. Mm -hmm. um, in the title or the subtitle. 
my website is liberty-lighthouse.com. And if you go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash books, you can see the links to both of my books. I recommend that you do it that way. Don't just go to amazon.com and search because I had a printer issue with my first publisher and there's a there's a bad copy out there that when you when you do a search on Google, it's the first one that shows up and oh. it shows and it shows up as out of stock. And then you just go, oh, okay. But if you go to my website, I give you the link that goes to the right one that's in stock and prime, and you can have it in two or three days, paperback, or of course immediately in ebook or audiobook. Right. I I just want to get the 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 idea of, the, I, I really believe in this, this simple concept. That's kind of the, the premise of my show, the Liberty Lighthouse. I call it a beacon of common sense. Mm-hmm. I try to apply common sense to politics. And the, the idea of this book was, was very similar in that solutions don't have to be 8,000 page laws. That's the truth. <laughs> and we need, not only do we need, our politicians that we have now aren't going to fix it. No. So we need tons and tons, I mean, hundreds upon hundreds of people that understand this idea of simple politics that we could elect into office. And, and, and this, I try, I failed miserably, of course, because I'm human, but I tried to be relatively nonpartisan in this book. But of course, all of my simple ideas are going to lean to the right side of the political aisle because I lean to the right side of the political aisle. Exactly. That is not the intention of the book. The book is not intended to to turn you into a conservative or to make my side arguments. It is to point out simple ideas. And if you can come up with liberal, progressive, democratic ideas that are simple, then let's debate them. And just start thinking in, you know, one or two page laws instead of 8,000 page laws, and we'll get a lot more accomplished together. Man, I like that. I like that. Well, this has been Christopher with Radiant Fire Radio and Mr. Seraphine Jr. Um, So simple, even a politician can understand. Please make sure that you follow the links in this posting and purchase this book and be very supportive. You can also reach Mr. Seraphine on Facebook and he said his web page earlier. Thank you for joining us. This has been Radiant Fire Radio. Thank you. We are committed to excellence and truth. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you as we go forth in this endeavor in this hour. We pray that God would be with you. His prophetic mantle and his prophetic anointing would be upon your life. Please feel free to contact us at any time with questions, comments, or concerns. You can reach us at Christopher at RadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, Radiant Fire Radio Ministries. And you can subscribe to our YouTube page, Radiant Fire Radio Ministries, on YouTube.